we are missing Madlock this week. Uh, he's missing, presumed in deep trouble, having probably, we think, said something to his Tottenham supporting wife about their match against Chelsea yesterday that he couldn't. Our hearts are with him at this uh, difficult time. Anyway. Hello and welcome to Foxes Never Stop Talking. Uh, I am joined today by Philly, who you heard two weeks ago. What's up? And Tyler, who you heard last week. Hello, how's everyone doing today? Today we're going to talk about the match we had against Arsenal at the weekend. We're going to go over some of the other headlines. And we're going to have a little look at the Southampton game coming up next week. So let's start off talking about that Arsenal match, guys. It was a 4-2 loss in the end. How recent we did. You know, let's start going over the goals first, right? Arsenal's first goal was a Gabriel Jesus effort, I believe. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a cross to the right. It kind of went just above uh, Ward's head and just went straight into the net. Yeah, I seem to remember there being a little a few gaggle of players around um, around him when he had the shot. Yeah, it was a it was a cluster of players, and they were just and the ball just when I was watching, I was like, all right, he's gonna get it, but it just went up. It just dove down right away. It was almost like a dead ball of some sort, but it just went yeah. straight through the net when everyone said. It got a nasty deflection off, I think, Johnny Evans' knee that just took it over Ward's head. It went in right below the crossbar, so I don't think there was much we could do, though we shouldn't really let him get the shot away. Yeah, that one was really difficult. That was hard to, uh, you know, just because in that moment, to be honest, I felt like we were holding our own up until that point. I think one of the interesting points that probably goes a little unnoticed by people is at that point, about 15 minutes in, Fofana gets a yellow. And at that point, now he's got to be cautious for the rest of that time. Which, of course, was weird because we also saw him like going really far forward in certain situations. I think right before that goal, he was like attacking randomly. He had that one shot where he was in the box where he essentially looked like he was Ianacho. It was wild. But it seemed like there were times where he was kind of going forward and then, you know, the back three wasn't really a back three anymore. And... I noticed at that point in time, like when that play happened, I think that Castagna was not even on like the right side. There was a lot of things that were just wacky about all the like defensive shape in the entire uh, situation. I felt like we were trying to hold our own in that moment, but once that goal went in, it just felt like at that point we were talking about like just the inevitable, and it was it was frustrating to see because like it came at like one of the weirdest ways that it could have, but you know. It was hard. It was disheartening yeah. because we actually were playing well before that. Yeah, uh, and then about twelve minutes later, Arsenal get their second goal. Um, people, a bunch of people said it's Leicester's set piece curse coming back. I don't think one goal in two games or one goal in six, if you include our preseason, from a set piece really counts as a curse. But I do yeah. think we should have defended it better. No, without a doubt. That was just a that was honestly just a beautiful placement from the Arsenal. They they placed it so well. Um we almost got it out by like Jesus, he was he was phenomenal that game. He was just, there was just nothing you could do to stop that guy. He was when you were like watching his games, his footwork was just amazing. He was driving the ball down the field. There was just nothing you could really do in that moment. Like I don't think it's a curse though. I think people are that's a little bit too much of just like a reach 
I would say if it happens a couple more times than we're at a curse, I just think we're at like a bit of a jitter. We have a new goalkeeper, which we will talk about more with the, what happened with the third goal. But we have a new goalkeeper and we're just trying to get set to this whole new dynamic of the team. Yeah. Yeah, my thought was that one is that we did actually win the first header. The problem is that first header was awful. Um, Vardy kind of flicked it towards the back post, really left Amati with nothing he could do about it, right? People blamed Amati for it, but the problem Amati has is it's going between him and the goal. And if he goes for it, he's likely to score an own goal off it. Yeah, that one was really frustrating just because... I don't even know if there's like a comparable for that to anything that happened last year. Like last year, it just seemed like nobody could, you know, we couldn't win our headers or anything. That one is just like, if Vardy was like an inch taller, it just doesn't happen. And it's just, it's like the perfect flip. It was a perfect flip to the back post. If he was an attacking player, it would have been something we'd call world class. <laughs> yes. Of course, you know, we mentioned their third goal. It came really shortly after we scored our first. We'll talk about our goals after we talk the Arsenal goals. I think this one is actually one. I flipped my mind on this one. I'm going to blame Danny Ward for it, but I'm curious as to what you guys think. I that goal that was that was hideous. It was just, it was it was. I was so excited because I thought we got the ball, we got it out, and next thing you know, you just see a cl- the cluster, and then the ball goes in the net. Uh, it really was disheartening to watch that because I had a lot of hope for Danny Ward at the start of the season because he, like he's he's always been the the back man for Schmeichel. Now that Schmeichel's gone, I was like, this is Danny's time to shine. And the past, honestly, the past two games have not really been a great positive about him. I think he he's getting in over his head personally. I think he's like thinking like, oh, I finally have the spot, and like it's not really showing on the field that he has a spot. He's acting like the backup still. I think he uh, has got to get used to the formation, but if he keeps this up, there's going to be a lot of issues coming up for Leicester's defense. I'm be honest, I kind of disagree with that. Um, I don't really know if that situation. Obviously, you know, there's times where things will happen, but you know, there's I I might when I feel like it comes to goal goalkeepers, it feels like people will are so quick to judge based on one or two moments, yeah. and it's like all of a sudden you just have a decision about how good someone is and just you like you are like confident about what a person is based on like one or two moments danny ward throughout the first game and the second game had a lot of great moments especially when he was uh especially with a lot of saves that he made i think probably the most frustrating part there was the lack of communication between him and fofana about okay this is my ball i'm gonna get it or fofana saying i can handle this i can get it out of here in this way just some sort of decision between the two but in the end there was no communication between them and that goal probably doesn't happen if it's casper but that's just because casper is a guy doesn't come from my thought on it because this this was the thing so like i i was played as a goalkeeper when i was growing up so i kind of am in the goalkeepers union which means i don't like to blame goalkeepers when I first saw it, I thought, oh, no, Danny, you've dropped it. But I thought, no, 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 Go- goalkeepers don't make mistakes like that, surely. There must have been something, some confusion with the call, right? Either maybe they've both called for it, both heard the other call and both left it. Or maybe, um, you know, Fafana's made the call and then seen Wards coming for it and tried to leave it, and they both tried to leave it that way. But then I thought, actually, none of that really matters. Because as the goalkeeper, Ward should know that his call 
overrides Fafana's, and if he goes for it, because I'm of the opinion if the goalkeeper calls it, nothing else matters, right? The goalkeeper goes for it. Fafana, having heard the call, should have left it, but Ward has to kind of take that attitude of, if I'm going for it, I have to call for it. He, If he went for it without calling it, that's his fault. He also has to take the attitude of, once I've called it, I'm getting it hell come hell or high water, and if there's my own centre-back in the way, that's a problem for the centre-back, not for me. Because if you're going to do comedy goalkeeping, the comedy goalkeeping where you miss your, don't co- fully commit, miss the catch and concede a goal, is much worse than the comedy goalkeeping where you gather the ball and wipe out your own centre half. And I completely, and I completely agree with that. Like, I just feel like he should have backed off, and like that's like kind of rule one. Like, you listen to your teammates around you because a goalkeeper is Which, the most. Yeah. Who's he? Who should have backed off? I, pers- I think Fofana should have backed off. Fofana yeah. was a little too much close to the. Uh, to the goal but i think ward should have been better with his vision around the area probably the most frustrating part of that whole situation is the fact that that happened like 90 seconds after we scored our our first goal the score went, it was 2-0 went yeah to 2-1 and then that and then immediately arsenal's fourth goal i i don't know how much there is to say about this it was just very well placed was there anything we could have done to stop it i would say that the only thing you could say involving to stop it is the fact that they should have never had the ball in the first place because Pratt waited so long to t- to receive the pass. It was like, he, he waited for it to come to him. He even started turning the other way before he even got the ball. And then I believe it was Martinelli who ended up scoring the goal, who, who, who took it away, and he had got the interception. And then I think he got the goal as well. If Pratt just has a little bit more initiative there, gets the ball, and then you can decide what to do afterwards. And again, that one was also like 90 seconds after we scored a goal. So both either of those situations, one because of a bad turnover that definitely we should have been able to maintain possession on, and the other because of a bad error involving miscommunication between a keeper and a center back, both of those happening very soon after we scored, those are momentum killing. And the opportunities that we had to get a point out of this match were just gone in in a split second. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I completely agree with you. Danny Pratt, I don't know what on earth he was thinking that game. That was like, that was such a bad play to have an error like that. But honestly, it was just, a, it was a beautiful finish by Arsenal. Um, Martinelli had just like a beautiful finish. Like he deserved that goal. That was just, that was just a beauty. Like oh, yeah. just, his footwork was just absolute. Like he just running down that field and just that one touch. That was like, right. no, he deserved it. He definitely did. Yeah, it was towards weaker side, I think. I assuming Ward's kind of stronger on his right side because most people are. And then it kind of hits the bottom of the inside of the post. It's just it is the worst place to try and save a goal. Hitting the base of the post on your weak side is just just yeah, not a not a re, not an easy save at all. So let's go on to our goals. Let's look at our goals a bit. There we got a goal. A little bit before their third goal, so it was in the 53rd minute. It was credited to Saliba as an own goal. I'm tempted to say that we were good for the goal anyway, though. What do you guys think about? Yeah, if you look at Vardy, like Vardy's just right there with the ball, and he's he was gonna, he was going to be ready to just shoot it and stuff. Like no matter what, even if the ball didn't get touched by Saliba, I think Vardy was just going to finish over the goalkeeper. That was going to be a clean cut goal. And it was a great, uh, it was a great. Um, I think it was a header pass from James Justin, who, if I'm being honest, was the only starter the entire game who I thought played like actually kind of well. I thought JJ was was pretty good for most of the game, 
And that was a really good header from him, which was so, a sort of pass. It was, I guess you'd call it like an own goal assist because like, yeah. mean, if, if Saliba doesn't do what he did, then Vardy's probably going to score just because of how quality of a yeah. finisher we know that he is. So it's either that or a goal that we score the other way. And ironically, uh, the goalkeeper clearly wasn't expecting it because the goalkeeper had moved over to cover any shot off Vardy. He was kind of trying to aggressively close Vardy down. And then the header comes and goes to where the goalkeeper would have been if he hadn't been trying to close Vardy down. And all they can do is watch it go into their own net. And then later in the second half, um, we, we got another goal on the 73rd minute beautifully finished by Madison and I was really impressed with the Inacho's build up to it as well. Inacho, man, I, I, I it hurts me every time that I don't see him on the starting. He's one of my favorite players on this team. Inacho is very underrated with his, his set pieces and goal. He does both. And that was and that Madison yeah. goal was the proof that he does both. Just the amount of like he could have if you actually look at the video, he actually could have scored that goal on himself. He actually really could have, but he he knew it was going to be a better play if he just passed it back because when he cut that he could have just shot it there but he passed the madison where he knew there would be more of a gap like that's just pure uh so- um football knowledge oh my god i almost <laughs> said soccer and made everyone mad <laughs> uh the god I, I, I think i'm outnumbered by the americans here today aren't i yes just god bless america anyway <laughs> um anyway but yeah no madison had just a beautiful finish but Inu nachos uh assist was a lot more cleaner mm-hmm. than that yeah and i think that that right there kind of shows what we've been missing uh over these last these first couple games because yeah. i know that last week i was saying how the that f- a four five one diamond was doing a really good job in terms of like maintaining possession but what it really wasn't doing was giving us many opportunities to actually like do anything in the attacking third. And I think that the switch where, besides what happened in the midfield, where they took off, where I think they took off Tealmans and they brought in uh, Pratt. Besides that, where that's more of a like for like change. One thing that they did do out eventually is they took off a Marty and they brought in Ianacho. And I think that's something that we should stick with for the next match as we go to Southampton, yeah. something where we can have more opportunities going forward, get a two-striker um, setup, 4-4-2 diamond, same midfield as we've had before, and then, you know, yeah. just take off a, Mar- a Marty. I don't know, maybe we give Suyun a chance, who knows, whatever. It's not like... I think that that formation is something we should look more towards for not just next game, but any time we can't use wingers. The last incident in the game to talk about, don't mean to spend long on this one, there was a penalty given by the referee after a foul on or what looked like a foul on Vardy at first, which was then overturned by VAR. Do you think VAR made the right decision there, or were we cheated out of a penalty? It was the right call. I don't think there's anything else to say there. It was he barely touched him. It was, it was the right call. Yeah. I kind of even forgot that that even happened until I looked at it, until I looked at the words that you said, just because it was... It kind of like just kind of erased it from my mind because like it almost it barely it barely happened. Like they called the penalty, they went to VAR, and then they took and then they took it away because it was obviously the right decision. There was barely any contact, if there was any at all. And I completely agree. I think it was a great acting performance by Vardy, of course. Like it's always good to try and get the calls, but VAR, like though it's mostly hated, like some this is where the positive comes into VAR. At least it didn't yeah. cheat out the team. Like I believe that like. Like when it comes to games like this, like you can't just like you can't just 
focus on like the VAR as such. Like the VAR comes in handy to save the game's integrity and such. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those where I think if the goalkeeper had gone a bit harder at Vardy and maybe just left a leg sticking out where they could have pointed, oh, oh look, this leg caught him. That's a foul. It might have worked, but he didn't. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. It was definitely not a foul. And the VAR got it right. Unfortunately. So the overall impression of that match, Arsenal on the road is a tough match. We lost home and away to them last season. We haven't had a great record against them lately. As an interesting thing, uh, they actually beat us home and away as well in the title winning season we had, including I think they inflicted a 5-1 defeat on us. They did. And that was, they actually did. Yeah. That was the moment, I think, for a lot of people who are a bit sceptical that we're going to do it, saying, yeah, we can't do it. But I lived with an Arsenal fan at the time, and he was really salty about the fact that Arsenal beat us home and away, and we still won the titles. Like, we, we, we should have won that title. He was, he was like, he's like, Arsenal should have won it. But, you know, they, they, they didn't. They should have won the games. Yeah, no, Arsenal, yeah I, we, we really never played good against Arsenal, do we? Like looking even back, like last was it? What was the game where like we had the lead and we collapsed terribly? How many years ago was that? It was at Arsenal. It was a night game. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say that was. Like, was that not a Tottenham game? Um, uh, no, that was a that was an Arsenal. It was a 2017 game that finished four three. Is that the one? I think so. That was the one. It was 2017. That was 2017. Yeah. But in general, they just always beat us. It's I don't know why. It's just Arsenal. Dude. Yeah, they seem to be. I don't know. Are they bogey team? Let's talk a bit about our defending this match because uh, that's clearly I think where we're letting ourselves down. I think is in defence. I said last week that the difference between Brentford and Arsenal is that Arsenal are going to be a lot better at punishing us for those defensive lapses we seem to be prone to. And we had some defensive lapses, right? Could we have defended them better? What do we need to do to tighten up our defense? Well, it's tough because I don't think that you... I don't think that it's really just, like... You can look at the goals that happened and say, one of them hit a shin and it looped over goal. That's kind of a little bit unlucky. And then one of them was a wacky um, header to the back post that probably wouldn't you wouldn't expect and then obviously there's some things you could say bad communication here and there but i don't think that it's really the goals that would i would say that were concerning i think there were a lot of other opportunities that arsenal got during that match that concerning it was more than just what happened when they did score there were a lot of times where ward actually took goals away from them when they could have had like six yeah, he, has some, he had, some, had some good ones, and there was times where they really, they could have ended, this game could have honestly ended like 6-1, and it could have been a lot worse, because I just don't, the defense was not, there was not a lot, it was, it was difficult, like, Fofana didn't have the best of his games at all, I think these last couple weeks have just been uh, difficult for his head, mostly, I think that his head's spinning a lot, and you know, that's hard to, that's hard to think about when there's all this diff- there's all this noise around around you in terms of other other things and that's just hard for him and then you've got a newly appointed captain in, in the center back partnership who's flanked a guy playing on his offside and a guy who is filled with millions of miles of transfer rumors that's a difficult situation in terms of cohesion when that is your back three I kind of completely agree with um, you Tyler but I also think it's it's really worrisome about our defense. I really do. I have that belief that like we always need to like have a signing like you never let the enemy 
get the better of you and such. I think a lot, like, we. Sh- I kind of wish Rodgers and Top kind of went and tried to get more of a defensive player. And I think we are looking at getting signings now with, like, even though the transfer is ending in a couple, in a, in a two weeks. I think that we, we get, there's a lot that needs to be changed with our, with our situation. But I really, I believe that it can be fixed. It's just going to take a bit of time. Some Pete fans, I was just, when I was reading on Twitter, are very antsy to get rid of Brendan Rodgers already. Because they're saying like, oh, this is going to be the whole season. I don't think that should be the case because he's done so much for this club. I think they're, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's tricky. I think a big part of our problem is that, I think I was saying this towards the end of last season as well, is that just the there's kind of been a drop in confidence in the dressing room. As it's, it's hard to point that as being someone's fault. But the yeah. thing is, to fix that, what you need to do is you need to kind of because the thing is, the lack of confidence will normally come from there's a few people who are ringleaders is the wrong word, but they're kind of the epicenter of it, right? You move a few of the kind of players on who are more jaded, and it's good for them as well because they they get a change of scenery which can really help them. They can move on, they can be at a new club and say, right, new start, we'll do things better now. And you bring in some players to come in going, look, guys, you're all really good just play like it and you only you don't need to switch around many players to have that mindset changed but we haven't really (laughs) managed to do it and it's hard to tell you know if you're not in the dressing room you probably can't tell who it is no definitely not um it's just it's just difficult in a lot of those situations because the problem so far has been the fact that until players left, we couldn't bring players in. We'll talk about more of the transfer yeah. rumors later, but um, we've had two players leave now. We've had Hamza leave, and we've had Casper uh, leave. We've brought in a Casper replacement, kind of, because we now have a, a guy who's basically a third goalie. Wow. But So we had a third keeper, but on top of that, now we have an extra slot because we can bring in because of Hamza's loan. And there's probably a couple other guys who want to leave who yeah. wanted to get Vestergaard out, but he hasn't left yet. So I think there's there should, or you would have to hope that with the moves that have been made and the moves that are going to be made, that there's more things on the docket and that there's more moves to come. Because if there isn't, then it stops going from what I always thought was the case, which is just simply, oh... They just don't have the registration slots to fill and bring in new players until they get people out to. What if we really do have FFP issues? And what if we really are just... What What if, after all this time, like we actually are having financial problems? I don't think that's the case, but those thoughts start to become more and more uh, concerning if we keep on having these situations where we just can't bring in people, even if we are bringing out people. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's a, Top and Brendan have done a really good job, I think, making the club a very attractive place for players to come. And I think we've sort of realised the flip side of that is that players don't necessarily want to leave. Like, you know, there's one of the transfer rumours is, is apparently Manchester United are sniffing around Jamie Vardy. And you look at it and you think, well, look, all our players, as much as we say there might be some malaise and lack of confidence going on, none of our players seem unhappy at the club. They all seem pretty happy here. 
Would you really want to go somewhere as like Manchester United where the dressing room seems so toxic? I, I completely agree with you. And I was even like, there's so many reports now that I was hearing. I don't know if you guys heard about this. They're saying Man United is pushing hard for freaking Barty. I'll believe it when I see it. I think I think the funniest part about that is the fact that if you're looking at it from a strictly footballing perspective, like no emotion, like not even viewing it from a lesser perspective, it's a perfect fit. It's actually like a perfect tactical fit. But I don't think it'll ever happen because I don't think he would leave for that club. No, exactly. I said on last week's cast, I think, that I, I could see him if he kind of thinks that he's he's finished playing his best football but you know someone offers 10 million or 15 million quid for him you might say well i'm not going to play for you guys anymore i'm not good enough anymore so you take the 15 million quid payday and i'll 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 go sit on their bench for the last year of my career <laughs> i could i could that's kind of the sort of trollish move that if someone's trying to be he is loyal to the club and it's why he's going to get a statue outside it if i have my way definitely no exactly and to even go back with that though like we, we, like, this is down the road, but like, I really, you, I agree with you. I don't think players want to leave Leicester. I think people really like it here. I just think there's a, just a lot of issues that maybe we don't, the public, don't know about. I think like, because it, it just is a weird situation. Everything I saw, because like we were at one point talking about stadium expansion and such, and now all of a they sudden are. we, they are, yeah. And but like you don't hear about that much right now, don't you? I don't hear about it. It's because there's not much movement on it because we're waiting for Leicester Council to approve planning permission to do it. So there's no really new headlines like the plans were published and these things take a while. Um, But at the moment, it's a bunch of people in suits are looking at it and trying to make decisions. Let's move on to some uh, headlines and other things that have happened in the past week. I'll start off with uh, Leicester City women played at home to Southampton at Beaver Drive. It was a behind-closed-doors friendly, although you can find highlights on Southampton Football Club's YouTube. Leicester City women got a 1-0 win as uh, Molly Pike had one hell of a shot from quite a long way out, which hit the crossbar and went out. Sam Tierney was alert to it, scored off the rebound. I don't think there's a huge amount to read into this win. Southampton have just been promoted uh, into the championship, which is the division below where we are. But still, it's encouraging to see Leicester City women winning games. I think they need a confidence boost. I think the, the Leicester's that was actually a promising victory. I, I think like in preseason, like if you always look at every game as like oh it's just preseason, you're gonna it's gonna become like a negative feeling. In my opinion, I think that we're gonna have a good season with this team. I think like we have a lot of promising players coming up. We have a lot of, and I think our chemistry is very well. And I just, and I'm looking at that game, like, like yeah, you could say Southampton was just promoted. They got to get used to the whole new league. They just seem, I don't know if you agree with the word, but they just, they seem to have more of a good connection. And that's big yeah. for having at preseason already. They look very connected with each other. And I, I really, I really do like Molly Pike. I think Molly Pike is good. She's like, she's oh, yeah. definitely. She the way she kicks balls and stuff like that. Like I actually think like she is she's very underrated in the Super League. Yeah, sorry, I'm just slightly amused by man this footballer. They're so good at kicking balls. And like yeah. Well, I mean like the way she, ki- I mean, you know what I mean. You know I know, I, mean. I do. I, I, know. Mean, I think like I, it's good form. What do you want me to say? <laughs> 
good I, I respect, Bolivia. Listen, I respect people who have good forms and play. And that's what I always because there's there are football players honestly who don't have good form when they play. Yeah. If you last if you want me to be completely honest. Like they're awkward sometimes when they kick. But it's a smooth form. It was like you can't yeah. you can't you can't Oh, it would have been one hell of a goal. Yeah, um I guess what I would just say is that um the women's season, it doesn't start for I believe like five ish weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe five, four weeks. 11th of September is the first match, I think. Essentially, they are at like a point in their schedule because they just they they just started their preseason. They're at a point in the schedule where the men were, say, about six weeks ago when they had the the Knox County and the Leuven matches. So obviously, probably the priority at this moment in time is just fitness and getting back into the swing of things and getting back into you know just just playing and getting used to that all over again. So I think that when it comes to them, you know, it's just good that even though Southampton is a lower tier, and of course they just got promoted to the championship, so it's not like they're established in the championship, but it's good for them that they're just, they're getting fitness, they're performing well, even if it's against a team that is in a lower division, they can keep working because when they do have to play those really tough matches going forward, they will hopefully be more and more prepared for those situations because obviously the goal is... We want to have a, a better a better season than last year. Keep progressing farther and farther than we were before, and stay as far away from that relegation zone as possible. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Um, we go. We'll cover the women's team in a lot more detail as the Super League picks up. Uh, the other thing on here, uh, Hamza Chowdhury has gone on loan to Watford uh, in the Championship. If you remember, they got relegated from the Premiership last season. He has an option to buy for six million pounds. He's contracted us till twenty twenty four. And he made his debut last Friday. Uh, they had a 1-0 win over Burnley. He played 82 minutes, got a standing ovation as he left, and a high five as he was substituted off. Looks like he's made a good move. Looks like that's good for Watford. And I think we're kind of hinting it's good yeah. for us. Uh, one, one note there. Um, so the manager at Watford is, I believe, uh, Rob Edwards. He was the guy who was the manager at Forest Green when Casey McAteer went on loan there last season. So guy that Leicester have worked with in the past in terms of loans. So... I do think that whether it's Hamza coming back to Leicester at the end of the season, which, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think is highly unlikely, especially if Watford um, get promoted. And they've already got seven points in their first three matches, so they're already off to a good start. And I think that they're going to keep on going in that way. I do think they will get promoted. And if they do, I would be shocked if Hamza wasn't a purchase that they made off of that loan. Because... He's done. He's done very well for them to start. I have a feeling, uh, I have a confidence that he's going to keep going that way because I think that he's genuinely too good for the championship. And I think that by the time they get back into the prem next year, they're going to have him, and he'll be a consistent player for them because he's obviously didn't. Maybe he wasn't right for sitting on our bench, but anyone who can sit on our bench can probably be a quality starter at a lower table prem team so good for him for this situation hopefully he gets way more playing time than he was getting here and just wish him all the best of luck because he's probably never playing for Leicester again just with the way that the loan and the option buy is going yeah um he's um i say as another so Watford are a team i have some affection for because the only other person in my family who is really into sport well there's me there's my uncle and my granddad my uncle uh, is was a Watford fan when I was younger, although apparently I switched allegiances to Arsenal for some reason. But my first memories of going to games were going to see Watford play, and I had to stand in the Watford end and keep quiet. 
Right, let's quickly run over. We mentioned it earlier. We've signed a third goalkeeper, Alex Smithies. He's signed on a free. He used to be Cardiff's primary goalkeeper for three years. He seems to be largely good vibes. We're not actually expecting to see him on pitch. And um, Harvey Barnes, uh, if you watch his Instagram, seems to be suggesting he's back in training. Do we think he'll be back for the Southampton game? I I don't think so. I, I don't think it would be a good idea to even bring him back, like, like rapidly, yeah, I understand we're in like a bit of a slump with the two games, but I personally, I don't even think we should even bring him back like the Chelsea game. I think he just, we should just wait until he's where the man, where Rodgers just feels like he's completely fine to go back out on the pitch and stuff. And I wouldn't even start him. I would, I would honestly have him as a sub and just slowly integrate him back into the system. I don't think we should take any risk right now because just like how we're playing, like we need as much help as possible. So I think keeping Barnes like slowly coming up instead of just rapidly will be the better decision for the future. Yeah, and on top of that, um, something I've mentioned on the previous episode as well as this one is just Barnes, we don't have a complimentary piece for him on his opposite flank. We don't have a right winger at this moment in time. Maybe that changes considering that Hamza's squad, squad position is now off. You know, we have a spot that we can fill in our squad, so maybe that'll change. Maybe we will get a winger, but I don't really see a need for us to rush him back. Now, obviously, that's a decision that obviously the medical staff can make, and um, we do have, I think we do have a brand new medical staff, if I'm not mistaken. Besides, besides that, it's obviously, they know more than we will in terms of the exact uh, details of that situation. I just think that, you know, in these moments in time, it's mostly important that we're not rushing players back because I don't know if he'll be ready f- for the Chelsea game, but I think that it would be good if we try and find a way where maybe he can play like the last minutes or so, but I don't think starting him would be an ideal situation, especially if he just got back uh, in training after his injury. Like, don't rush him back. Let, let, him, let him get some time. Let him figure it out over a longer period of time than that. Yeah. There's been other transfer rumours. Vestergaard apparently is targeted by Galatasaray. I had a look around to see if there's anything to do, anything behind this, beyond journalists just making stuff up. I couldn't find anything. Who knows whether he'd even want that move. I can't see him going for it if he turned down Fulham, to be honest. Galatasaray had the disaster of a season last year, and they're not even in Europe this season. So I don't know why, if he's under... But if he's unwilling, if he's unwilling to go to Fulham, who are in the Prem, why would he want to go to Turkey? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I live not that far from Fulham. It's quite a nice area. Some amusing stuff with the Fafana rumours as well, because Rob Dorset and via Sky Sports says that Fafana wants to stay at Leicester, and it's his agent is the one who wants to move to Chelsea. But kind of literally, as we're recording this, we're seeing things like. Fafana's really frustrated at Leicester because they're pricing him out of a move to Chelsea. Uh, I'm just bored of the Fafana things. I don't think anybody really knows anything. We'll find out what's happening on September the 1st. And shall we just move on? I, I agree. I think I think it's at this point we're just... We're at a point where we just we can't, we can't predict at this point. Like... And I'm stuttering because it's just like there's so many stuff that I'm reading even right now on Twitter about Fafana because I've been searching everything up like 
Favon, it, I, I don't know what's going on. I do, I actually do think he wants to stay because his Twitter posts and stuff kind of tends that he really likes it here. But I would be upset too if like you keep hearing about these rumors and you're kind of seeing like, oh, they're really like, thinking about me getting transferred. Like they're they're actually yeah. thinking about. I would be upset. But like I, I, I personally think he wants to stay, and like kind of shows like how the players want to stay, but everyone else wants to kind of make the quick bucks out for him because you know the agents can make something out of his transfer. Yeah. So let's talk about the Carabao Cup because I'm bored of talking about transfers. Um, Carabao Cup, we got drawn against Stockport away. So, first question is to my American guests here Who here could point at Stockport on a map without help? Not a chance. Um, Not a chance. I wish I could just say I I do, but then you know, I think you kind of know. I kind of had already searched up looking at like the, (laughs) the weather of. South Manchester, because just wanted to point out that I do know it's below Manchester. Um, you knew it's below Manchester. That's good, actually, because I had no idea. I was like, it's somewhere in England. I could point to England on a map. I don't actually know where Stockport is. I went looking to so, oh, Stockport's close enough that so I can go there from where I live. No, no, it's at the other end of the country. So if you knew it's below Manchester, you knew more than me. With, um, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, just... English football and the entire English football circuit is how you have all these small towns who are so so much lower in the pyramid. I mean, there's 92 teams between the Premier League and the Football League. Like 92 different cities. If you're looking at American sports, the majority of the major teams are confined within like a total of 40 cities. So you have matches where we have like a bigger club, a bigger city, not, not a massive city, but like a bigger city like like Leicester or Manchester or like teams in London and then you go have a, a random city like like Stockport that's something you just don't see here and it's such it's such a cool thing with Carabao Cups FA Cups and all these different tournaments that these things can even be possible yeah I should have realized that Stockport was nowhere near me actually because I think for this round it's still split into northern and southern halves and Leicester in the northern half and I live in the south um, but it's. I think. Is it a good round? Who's it a better draw for? Is it a better draw for us or them? Because for for reference, uh, they beat Harrogate away in round one, and they finished top of the national league last season, which is non-league football. Uh, they weren't even eligible to play this competition last season. Surely a Premier League draw is good for them, good for their gate receipts. But maybe they'd prefer to play away because they can make more money that way. Or is it just an easy draw to round three for us? I oh man, I actually I, I have a little bit of a hot take. I was so I was switching up a lot of their gameplay, and honestly, Stockport's gonna give us a run for our money. I think Stockport's like I understand like they just got into like League Two and stuff, but Stockport they just I, I always believe like when you when they get the when a team gets their first opportunity, they're gonna play a lot of like harsh football. They're gonna it's gonna be a very rough game. And I could see Stockport just going all out at this game to try and beat Leicester. And it, it's, it's kind of oh, scary. It's like, it scares me just a bit. And also, we'll probably play a B team against them. Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'd say I'm, so I honestly, like, I, if I was like a bookie, I would honestly like maybe tend to like sports Stockport. But I, I, I really do think like Leicester will come out of it. But I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, so maybe that's not the kind of game you want to like test out a youth prospect. Maybe you don't want to say, "Oh, let's give Will Alves a chance in this game." 
Nah, nah. This is the type of this is the type of club yeah. we send our youth prospects yeah, well, to. Yeah, obviously. Online. Like, I mean, we have Ben Nelson who's at Rochdale, which is the same level. But maybe this isn't the type of game where you just say, "Let's give Will Always a chance with the first team." Maybe you try and keep like the younger players away so they don't get like, um, like there's no trouble uh, in those situations. I think that like if you did play some of those guys, it could be good. But you probably just stick with a senior second team in this one and just see. Most likely, try and get out with. Uh, an easy, an easy, uh, simple victory there. I remember watching watching the draw, and I was like, "Wow, we got like, we got a team that just got promoted into the tournament." It at in total, like that's probably one of the easiest draws you could have. But in those situations, sometimes those are extremely deceiving. So you don't want the 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 best thing that could happen here is that there's no story at all, and that there's no. Uh, there's no like need for massive problems or massive like media like yeah. oh my god Lester Lester bottle Lester blew it against Stockport Stockport like you don't want those situations if we leave if we leave the stadium and there's no issues then we'll be fine we're on to the next tournament and obviously with no Europe this year we want to compete in the cups we haven't won the league cup since this recent yeah. uh, era of um, of unprecedented and surprising success so it's the one of the three domestic tournaments we haven't won yet so you want to be well okay uh, we have we're, we we won it twice yeah, we won yes, it in 97 and 2001 we had it's, it's the only one yeah it's the only one we haven't since, won in since our last let's say the jamie Vardy era yeah yeah that's what i mean yeah is it okay uh, so i don't think I don't think I'm as worried about as you. I, partially because, I mean, a team playing very physically, you you can play around them, and often actually these teams, it's a cup match where they're not expected to win. Then they're not going to come out to try and kill us. They're, they're going to come out, and it's not it's not the sort of game where it's worth getting hurt or hurting anyone in. I think we'll probably play a largely under twenty three team, and I think we'll kind of ease past them to be honest. Let's talk about our match this weekend. We are playing a team called Southampton. We have had a match against Southampton famous enough to have its own Wikipedia page. That was a few years ago. Uh, We will be playing them on Saturday at 3pm UK time. So it's not broadcast live in the UK. It may be broadcast elsewhere. And we are at home. So how do we feel about this? Southampton just came back from a 2-0, being 2-0 down to Leeds to draw 2-2. Is that a bad omen? Will they beat us 4-0, do we think? Or is that reserved for actually bad teams? That's reserved for actually bad teams. As an American, it really it hurt my heart to watch the Leeds because, you know, I always like to support like Americans outside the country and stuff playing football, especially with, like, I'm... Harrison played for my football club back home in Philadelphia because I'm a Western Philadelphia Union fan. But I really don't think Luke Southampton's going to be an issue. They, to me, they've always been like, we've always been the bullies to them. Like, yeah, they drawled us a couple times, but I don't see them winning this game. I think they're very much so, like, lucky without each game. And I think that they'll just, they're just going to fall under. I really do. Like, I don't see them going all out. You realise we're going to look really stupid if we lose 4-0, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, it would be terrible. We, it would be so no, bad. No, I, I don't mean us, the team. I mean us two specifically, right? 
I haven't said it yet, but I don't think that they have what it would take to beat us, which obviously is difficult because I was thinking that before Brentford, and then, I mean, I know I predicted Arsenal win, but it was still disheartening after that because I felt like we competed better. So I would, I think, I would like to believe that we're going to win. I mean, we did, we did beat them. It was, it was last year. It was at home. It was 4-1 last uh last match week of the season and there was the 2-2 that was away um yep so i would say that like i think that we, we have probably a pretty good chance uh, we, are, we are at home this time and we are at home we've won our last two home games against them i think that uh, obviously I, I think the only time people have really thought about southampton in terms of Leicester the last like 15 months has been oh my god why do we keep buying players from them who are bad so um <laughs> yes i would just say when it comes to this game i think that it, it's it's difficult to really say anything other than like i just don't think that they have the quality to to match us but you know them coming back the way that they did against um against leeds may maybe there to be something more i mean there's no easy games in the premier league uh james ward prowse is a demon at, at set pieces especially free kicks. So we'll be well tested there if we're not careful in defence. Um, although that said, our defence tends to let players pass into them and get shots off rather than give away free well, kicks these days. Can, so maybe we'll be okay. Because I, just say, now, I actually thought about something that I can like, genuinely uh, contribute to this conversation. They have a young keeper who's really young. They bought from Man City, who was on the way Portsmouth, uh, Bazunu. So... Uh, that's a guy that we can. I think that's a situation we could genuinely um, exploit. Uh, is the fact that they have a really young keeper who's inexperienced at this level. Um, I would I would assume they would continue to start him just because it seems like that's the way that it is. It all seems to be a little, a little bit of turmoil at Southampton. I remember I saw a report like a week ago saying that there was senior players at the squad that were surprised that Hasenhutl wasn't sacked after last year. So I don't know if they're necessarily a club with the best team spirit at the moment, and they have like a twenty-year-old keeper. I don't know how young he is, but he's he was he was a he was a, in, in League One last year. So I think that if we can if we can cut them open with a couple of goals quickly, just maintaining possession, hopefully Vardy and Iannaccio up top. I think that either of them could get a couple uh, within the first like thirty-five minutes or so and i hope that if that's the case then we can actually hold on to that lead unlike what we did against brentford yeah because they don't seem to be the sort of team like you know arsenal were who will be as relentlessly punishing of our mistakes um do you think we can you know it's one of those games i feel we can dominate their midfield and we can i think we can hold possession and okay they've got some good players ward prowse walker peters and Shea Adams is a good striker. I don't think Shea Adams is the kind of striker who'll dismantle our defence. I'm going to go in bullishly confident on this one. I think this is the game where we really kind of get all the annoyance and pain off the last two games off our chest and just give a team a good what for and really get the season underway. I completely agree with you, and like I think this is a big match for Leicester too because like I'm I'm also I'm sounding like it's not a big game and stuff. But we really do need a win. We really need to get a good game because we need to give confidence to the players and, of course, our manager. Because if we if something bad happens, if we draw or lose this game, 
I know a lot of, for a fact there's going to be a lot of overreactions and there's going to be a lot of turmoil that you're like, oh, we're screwed, we're done, we're going to get relegated and all that, even though the season just started. I, I think Leicester has to win this just to like give them a good head start. Yes, that's just the a lot of stress around the entire uh, feeling and the entire vibe around the entire club. If just everything that would happen, everything that we would be feeling, just the entire vibe around everything that we're experiencing would be a lot better, and we'd all just feel better if this game ended just like so well. And we walked away with easy three points. And if it was possible, we would have deserved even more than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing to lift your spirits quite like another nine-nil victory, is there? Exactly. On which point, let's round this up with our score predictions for the match on Saturday. Five-two. Five-two. You think they'll get goals against us? I do. I, I do think that there. I think that there's going to be a couple moments where, like, you know. We have been le- leaky in defense recently, and you know, if we give away one random free kick, James Ward-Prowse can put it in, can put it top ends no matter what. So I think there's fear of that. But again, as I said, they're starting. They have a young keeper who they're starting, and a lot of their players they have younger players, and then some of them they're just you know they're just gen- general bottom tier. Um, uh, prem caliber. I do think there will be goals. I think there will be a lot of goals, which is why I said 5-2, but I think Vardy will get a lot. I think that we'll be, have quality attack, but on top of that, I do think that they will get some back against us, but it won't be enough for it to be for them to get any points out of it. I think it will be 5-2. So more specifically, you're saying 5-2 hat-trick Vardy. I would say that would be that would be that would be fun. I would say I feel more confident about like a goal and two assists for Madison. That was what I think is more. I'm more confident it will be a goal and two assists for Madison. Philly, what you? What's your prediction? I, I could see a three-one win. I could see maybe a goal or two from Vardy, and I could see something from. You know, I'm gonna go out of the hay, and be, I'm gonna say we're gonna see a James Madison or Nadidi goal. You, James Madison goal is quite within the realms of reason. An NDD goal, though. I, I had a weird feeling. I don't know why. I just like something clicked when I was looking at like the lineups and the squads for this. I have something. I just have a weird thing in my gut that says Nadidi's going to have a goal. You realize that for NDD to score, he's got to kick the ball forwards, right? <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. I feel like this is the day. I feel. I feel it for some weird reason. I had a weird. You never know when you just have that feeling. I just have that. Feeling. All right, I'm with you. So I'm going. I'm going for like one of those three nil wins where you look and say it was three nil, but it could have been more. Part of the reason being, I don't think our attack's quite hooking up the way we want it to. I do think we're good for three goals against them, and that's like enough to be a dominating victory. And I think it is going to be one of those ones where, because our attack isn't quite hooking up, there will be chances we look at where we could have got more goals. I say nil because I think this is a team we can keep a clean sheet against. I think a lot of the hurt that we were suffering was because of our defence, so I think we'll be looking at a much better drilled defence or a much better prepared defence, because I think if I was Brendan Rodgers and the coaching team, I would be focusing on how what do we do with this defence to stop them kind of falling over the way they do. I also think we're likely to not play the back five this time. I think we'll probably be a bit more ambitious and maybe play with two up front and four at the back. Um, And I think we defend a bit better that way. 
and also, you know, uh, I just really want to get a clean sheet, and that's that's kind of informing it. So three nil uh, for me. So we've got Tyler saying five two, got Philly saying three one. I'm saying a three three nil. I would love a clean sheet, but I just don't. I have I have concerns with we've seen issues in defensive communication and there just seems like there's times where we'll go so long where you know we haven't conceded yet and then it'll just happen. Sometimes there's sometimes there's goals that come in against us where it's like it just happens and you just feel like oh there it is even if we're still gonna win and there there goes the clean sheet. I have faith. All right, so that's all we've got time for this week. You join us again next week. We will be looking at a review of the Southampton game, and we'll also be looking forward at the Stockport game away and the Chelsea game that follows the following Saturday. So it's going to be a bit of a bumper episode. We will have Madlock back, I assume, and we will have a third guest to be decided because we basically pick those the day we are recording, sometimes minutes before we're recording. But please come back next week if you want to hear all that. And thank you to Philly. No problem. And thank you for Tyler for coming in last minute to replace Madlock. Thank you. Let's let's actually get a win this time. Yes, let's. And hope you all have a good week. See you next time. Bye-bye. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find this license at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by spelled B-Y forward slash 4.0. And it's creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0. It also uses Riptide by Kevin McLeod. You can find that at incompetech.com. It's licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. I heard that URL earlier. It also uses Elf Meditation, also by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. That music is licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license.